today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. And although our salvation was given to us freely through the grace of God, now that we have salvation, beloved, there is responsibility that you and I have as believers. Now that might burst the bubble for some of you. Maybe when you were led to Christ, when the gospel message was given to you, it was like, all you need to do is just pray this prayer and you'll get saved. And the rest of your life is wonderful. Newsflash here. Wrong gospel. Wrong gospel. You give your life to Christ, you become His slave. You surrender your life to His leading. In today's message, Pastor David points out that there are some that lead the unsuspecting and ill-informed astray by teaching that one only need to pray one prayer at an altar call to receive salvation and to make it into heaven after they die. Then, convinced of their foolproof life insurance policy, these folks continue to live life as normal as though they had never prayed in the first place. These are false converts stemming from a false gospel. The true gospel teaches us that if we truly belong to Jesus, we will produce fruit and do as the Lord leads. Now here's Pastor David with part three of his message, Growing in Character from the book of 2 Peter. And it was the responsibility then of that director to support the work. He had to go out and gain funds in order to do that. The government was telling him he had to do something. Now he had to pay for it himself. Not unlike some government things that are going on now, but that's a whole other issue. We look at this word, and the word actually grew from that to have the meaning or the idea of speaking of the one who provides for or supports others, supplies something for them in abundance. So the idea here, when Peter says, add to your faith virtue and add to the virtue these other things, the idea is that the believer is to furnish, the believer is to supply, the believer is to support his life with these virtues. Here is the deal. He's telling the believers, you have faith, Now add to your faith these other characteristics. Whose responsibility is it to add these other characteristics? It's yours and mine. I can't say, well, God, if if you want me to be virtuous, if you want me to be of good moral character, then change my character. No, he says, you need to change. By the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, absolutely. Absolutely. But beloved, these are things that you and I as believers, we need to be diligent about. 
The word add to, it has that meaning. You need to supply generously these things. This idea of building up and developing the quality and the strength of of one Christian character that we add to another Christian character so that it's like a, a, a pedestal that's holding a building, not just one pedestal, but no, now we're bringing another one. We're bringing another one. We're bringing another one. We're bringing another one to, again, secure the foundation of our Christian life and our Christian testimony, supported by many. And Peter says, and you need to do that with diligence, giving all diligence. That's the idea of persistence. Doing it in an industrious way. I need to be about that business. We need to be diligent with it. What does that word diligent mean to you? Does it mean that you... You try it for a while until it gets hard. Say, well, you know, I tried that and it it didn't work for me. Does it mean that you try it for a while until it gets uncomfortable? Oh, I wanted to do that, but you know what? Man, that, that just put too much pressure on my life. How about I'm diligent to add these things until they get inconvenient? Oh, I I would have done that, but that wasn't gonna work out in the plan that I had in my life. When thinking about diligence, I'm reminded of the story of Jimmy. Jimmy wanted to get a job at the railroad. He wanted to be a signal man at the railroad. And in order to get that job, he had to go through a, a, a verbal test. And so the day of his test, he went before the railroad inspector who was giving him the test. And the railroad inspector came to him and says, Jimmy, I'm glad that you're looking for this job. It seems all your qualifications fit. But now let's go through the verbal portion of this interview test. He says, Jimmy, what would you do if you saw two trains headed toward each other and they're on the same track? Jimmy says, well, I'd go down and I'd I'd, I'd turn the switch to change the tracks for them to get them on separate tracks. Good, good. Well, what would you do if the lever broke? Jimmy said, well, I'd I'd run down to the signal box and I'd use the manual lever there to make sure that they get on separate tracks. Well, Jimmy, what happens if lightning has struck that manual lever and it's not usable? Well, Jimmy thought, then I'd run up into the phone box and I'd call down to the next signal station, have them change it. But what happens if the phone is engaged? Well, and in that case, I would run back down and I would, I would use the emergency phone at the level there by the crossing. I'd use the emergency phone. Well, Jimmy, what would you do if the phone there was vandalized? Jimmy thought about it for a while and he says, well, I think then I'd run into the village and I'd get my Uncle Toby. The inspector looked at him kind of quizzically and he says, Your Uncle Toby, why would you do that? Jimmy says, well, my Uncle Toby, well, he ain't never seen a train wreck before. (laughs) Diligence, diligence, diligence. Do everything that you can, everything that's possible within your life to add these things to your life. Diligence, in some versions, it's translated is to make every effort 
or having all zeal. These things that Peter is going to speak about here, they need to be important to you. And as believers, we need to be serious enough about our faith about our walk in Christ, about pleasing the Lord Jesus in our lives. And although our salvation was given to us freely through the grace of God, now that we have salvation, beloved, there is responsibility that you and I have as believers. Now that might burst the bubble for some of you. Maybe when you were led to Christ, when the gospel message was given to you, it was like, all you need to do is just pray this prayer and you'll get saved. And the rest of your life is wonderful. Newsflash here, wrong gospel, wrong gospel. You give your life to Christ, you become his slave. You surrender your life to his leading. And in surrendering of my life and in receiving of salvation, there is now a responsibility in my life to live my life to his glory and to his honor, and to do all that is within me with all diligence to add to that work of faith in my life these other things. But pastor, I thought faith was all that we need. I thought it was the grace of God working in us through faith, and it's not by any works that we've done. It's according to his mercy. Oh, but what does Paul say in Ephesians? He says that you were called as his workmanship in Christ to do good works. We're called that our, cha- that our lives would be changed, redirected. I now have, because I am a partaker of that divine nature, I now have to have all diligence to grow through the help of the Holy Spirit but not to remain as a baby in Christ. And the unfortunate reality is there are so many believers. They come to Christ. They figure they have their railway ticket to heaven. Everything's fine between them and God because 25 years ago, I prayed a prayer. I signed a card. I'm good to go. Beloved, the assurance of our salvation isn't because I can go back to the day, time, and place of when I prayed a prayer. The assurance of our salvation is the reality of Christ working in us. His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons and the daughters of God. Peter here declaring this responsibility. Yes, it it is the work. It is that empowering work of the Holy Spirit that moves in our lives. But he says, you and I, we ourselves need to be diligent. We need to make every effort and work with zeal to furnish, to add to, to support the reality of our faith by bringing into our lives, adding to our faith, these other virtues of a Christian life, these other characteristics, these other traits. And we can't sit back and simply say, well, you know, I never really was too good at having self-control. I just don't have self-control in my life. So God will overlook that. No, you need to get somebody that you can be accountable for. You need to get somebody that you 
can be accountable to. Because if you don't have self-control in your life, how is the Spirit going to control you? You know what it is. It's, the problem is, is you have too much self in control of your life. Okay, That's what the deal is. And you need to have the Spirit in control of your life. Well, you know, I'm just not a very loving person. I, I just really, I, I just don't get along with people all that well. John tells us that if you say that you love God and you don't love your brother, the truth's not in you. You're still in darkness. Maybe you need to really work at that issue in your life. Maybe you really need to work diligently in that issue in your life. Well, pastor, kindness has never been one of my personal traits. I've just grown up hard and I, I'm just kind of a hard guy then you need to soften up. You need to back down. Bring it back down a few notches and allow the Spirit of God to work in and through your heart to give you, instead of a heart of stone, to give you a tender heart. One that He can work with, one that He can mold. Oh, and one more thing. These things that He's going to list for us, it's not a buffet choice. It's not a table that we can go through and it says, well, I think I'll have a little bit of that one and some of that one. Ooh, I don't like that at all. But I will take this one over here. It's not a buffet choice. It is what we as believers have to have within our lives in order to bring glory and honor to God in our life. Peter tells us that we need to be actively involved in making all of these our virtues. You guys, most of you know that we've got an orange tree at our house. It's a tangelo tree, actually. And I was thinking about this yesterday as we were picking some of those tangelos from our tree. Our Christian life cannot be, bear with me, okay, our Christian life cannot be like an orange. An orange, I can peel it, and then I can pick and choose between the slices of that orange. I want this slice. I want this slice. I want that slice. Our Christian life really needs to be like a really good and ripe peach. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. As soon as you bite into that peach, the very essence of every bit of that peach starts coming out. Sometimes all over you, sometimes all over the table, wherever it might be. That's how our Christian life needs to be. That when people see us, the very essence of Christ is just gushing out all over them. Why? Because it's all over us. I can't be a partial. You cannot be. It is impossible to be a partial partaker of Christ. All for Jesus. All for Jesus. That's the only way that he's allowed it to be. I can't give part of my life. I must give all of my life in order for Christ in me to see that Christ might be utmost in our hearts and lives. The very first one that Peter lists here, just to calm your hearts, we're not going to get through them all today. The very first one in the New King James Version, he says, add to your faith virtue. It's kind of a bad translation, actually. The, the better translation, understanding for us, add to your faith goodness or moral excellence. Goodness or moral excellence. And 
Beloved, that's just kind of a base expectation for every believer. We ought to be the good guys. We ought to be the ones that the world looks and says, man, those are good people. Those are moral people. There is an excellency about just the the, the standard of their life that the world around us looks at and sees. There ought to be a growing morality. There ought to be progressive goodness within our lives. And this deals with the basic choices that you and I make, not just daily, but moment by moment throughout the day in order that that goodness would be there, that that moral excellence would shine through our lives. We above all people of the world ought to have moral excellence and good-heartedness within our lives. Another concept of this world, or of, of the word there where he speaks of virtue. The Greek philosophers had a, had a thought and the idea that it was the fulfillment of a thing. The fulfillment of a thing. And what they meant by that is, if you had a piece of ground, and you did all that was necessary for that ground, you, you plowed it over, you cared for it, you planted the right seed. And if at the end of, again, the season... It brought forth a bountiful harvest, a very fruitful piece of land. Then that was a good, excellent field. Why? Because it did what it was designed and purposed to do. It brought forth much fruit. The same way as someone were to design a sailing ship and you took that ship out and on the stormy seas still it sailed smooth and straight It wasn't tossed about, but it was able to sail straight even through a storm. And it sailed in a way that was comfortable to those that were there. You would say, that is an excellent ship, an excellent ship. It's that kind of an idea. It was doing what it was designed to do. It was performing what the, again, the designer and the creator created it for. God has designed us with these very purposes in mind. He has redeemed us, again, with that plan, with, with his kingdom at heart. Another news flash for you. God did not redeem you for your sake. He did not save you for your sake. He saved you for the kingdom's sake. He saved you for his glory and honor. You know what that means? That means if I get saved, if I'm saved, then I ought to be living my life to his glory and honor. Not just kick back and say, oh, great, I don't have to go to hell. Now I can live like it here on earth. No, no. I've been saved from hell. I need to live my life for the glory of my king now. That's what we're designed That's what we're purposed to do. Knowledge. We'll look at one more this morning. Add to your faith virtue, but then add to virtue knowledge. Knowledge for the Christian is so much more than than just head knowledge. And it's so much more than, and, and listen, please understand me here. It's so much more than simply because the Bible tells me so. It's That's a good thing. You need to know the word of God. You need to know what it says. But beloved, it needs to go from the head to the heart. And as I shared last week, from the heart to the feet. 
It needs to be that that makes you active within your Christian life. It needs to be that that is the director in your Christian life. It, ne- it deals, this, this idea of knowledge here that he speaks of is that inner growth, that inner growth of relationship with God. I need to grow in my knowledge of God, not just by the head, but in experience relationship. The impact of that relationship then working and moving within our heart. I pastored this church. Actually, we started this church back in 1991. Many of you know me. If you were to see me out on the street, even if I wasn't, you know, if I had my ball cap on and it was my Saturday afternoon gear, you know, the unshaven and all those kinds of things, you say, oh, there's Pastor David. You know me. But you know what? None of you know me the way my wife knows me. Why? Because we've had years of relationship together and growing in the knowledge of each other. I believe that many Christians today know God, but they really don't know him because they're not growing in relationship with him. The hymn writer wrote, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. The unfortunate thing for many believers, they sing that hymn in a different way. They sing it every day with Jesus is just like the day before. There's never really a change. There's never really a growth. I got saved, and that's all I'm doing. The kind of knowledge that Peter speaks here leads for you and I to grow in maturity in our walk. And in that maturity comes a spiritual discernment, a discernment to be able to know right from wrong, to be able to do the right thing, to be able to avoid the wrong thing. It's the form of spiritual maturity that keeps us from making the same mistakes over and over and over and over. Okay, that's my testimony. What's yours? Okay. It's spiritual maturity that keeps us from going over the same old field time and time again. And if you're not growing in Christ, I'll give a word of prophecy right here. If you're not growing in Christ, you're struggling in the same areas that you struggled with five years ago, ten years ago. And no, that's not really a word of prophecy. That's just the reality of truth. If we're not growing, we're not changing. And the only way to grow is is to grow in relationship with Almighty God. These things, as we grow then, our lives then change from the inside out. These are the things that show that a man or a woman is someone of good reputation. Not just quoting scripture verses, but they're able to rightly divide the word of truth. Not in extremes, but with an understanding of the balance of what God's nature is, what God's heart is. Why? Because they know and they're growing in the heart of God. But before we leave here, let me have you drop down to verse 8. To verse 8. This is near the end of the section. But after Peter says that you add all of these things, he says in verse 8, For if these are yours and they abound... You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things 
is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. so glad we were able to spend time with you today on The Open Word. We hope the message you heard has been encouraging and maybe even given you an incentive to dig a little deeper into the book of 2 Peter for yourself. Did you know that you don't have to wait to hear more teachings from The Open Word? Just visit our website, theopenword.com. We have a number of messages available there to listen to right now or download to hear at your convenience. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you'll never miss a teaching. You're an important part of the ministry here at The Open Word. If you've felt a prompting to become more involved in this great ministry, listen up. Pastor David has a special message just for you. You know, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word. And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. Pastor David will continue teaching through 2 Peter when you join us next time on The Open Word. Cause